Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Our Go To Thrive Podcast guest today is Julie Vincol Gialoni. Julie is the co-author of Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go and helps organizations enhance learning, engagement, retention, and of course, the bottom line. Welcome, Julie. <laughs> Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. We, we too. And can you tell our audience something about who you are and also include something that they won't find on your LinkedIn profile? You bet. You bet. So I am an author and speaker and consultant and in, uh, instructional designer um, based in Southern California. And I really focus on the leadership development, talent development um, sorts of topics. And I've been in this business for longer than I'm willing to admit. You know, I've decided when you hit 20 years doing something, you just say 20 plus. So I'm in the 20 plus arena. And um, what's not on my LinkedIn profile is that I've just got a phenomenal family, a husband and two grown kids who um, keep me balanced and uh, grounded and uh, growing and happy myself. Nice, nice. And Julie, I just have to ask you, because I didn't think to ask you before we started the podcast, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You are darn close, Mary Jane. Um, it's a, a real mouthful. So it's Julioni. And how someone named Julie could find a husband named with the last name Julioni is just beyond me. I really love the guy, obviously. Obviously, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And Julie, can you then share, just, just as a way of breaking ice, et cetera, share a favorite quote um, and why this resonates with you? You know, there are so many to, to choose from. But I guess, you know, what comes to the top for me is a, a quote I heard, gosh, years ago, that's just really struck with me. And it's, we teach what we live. We teach what we live. Such a simple handful of words, but it so applies from my perspective, you know, in the home with our kids, in the workplace with those around us. You know, we're, we're always leading by example. Someone's always watching, and the question just is, is it the example you want anybody else to follow? That's lovely. Yes. Thank you. Our world is big, but where would you go if you would travel someplace for a month? Oh, gosh. So many good options on that one, too. But I think, I think it would have to be Southeast Asia. And my husband recently did a three-year stint. Um, teaching as and as a university administrator in Singapore. And so it gave us an opportunity to visit parts of Southeast Asia. We were able to see, of course, Singapore and Cambodia and Indonesia and India and Thailand. And it's just amazing. But, um, but we only, you know, kind of scratched the surface of what's possible there. And everything's so close that if you were there for a month, you could probably get in just about, you know, all of the high points. But we were really impressed with the warmth and the, the history and the beauty and the delicious food, the wonderful people. Um, so Southeast Asia gets my vote. Sounds nice. good. Include Vietnam on your list. 
<laughs> yes, deal, deal. And Julie, I'm curious if we get into into uh, some of what of what you teach and share um, through your speaking engagements through the book. But your personal definition of career development, what it is and what it's not, please share that with, with our listeners. You know, that is such a great question. And I think it really is the crux of the, the work that I do. I talk with folks day in and day out and ask exactly that question. And what I'm finding um, and what I'm kind of gravitating toward is the idea that when we put the word career in front of development, things get pretty complicated. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask, answer your question a little bit differently. Let's That's just fine. look at the development piece of it. You know, so my definition of development is the growth, the learning, the expanding of capability and contribution um, that I believe is part of our DNA as humans. I think it's, you know, just such an internal drive to keep learning and growing, being able to do and contribute more to the world around us, um, including the workplace. When we add the word career to that, and we take development into the realm of career development, suddenly things get really complicated and people default into um, kind of positional chess playing, um, ladder-oriented thinking, and we lose the essence of growth um, and, and instead start focusing on movement and where I'm going to be next. And it becomes much less organic than what I, I believe, you know, that the human drive here is. I also believe it, com it becomes much less authentic when you're copying somebody else instead of following your own path. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, you know, organizations are trying really hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's um, impressive. And uh, there could be thanked for thinking about how can we create these paths and whatnot. But you're right. That might not be my path. And so we find people walking these paths, aspiring to grow sometimes for the wrong reason. And it's not congruent with who they are and how they want to express themselves in the workplace. Julie, when you're talking to organizations, do you get pushback on this? Because obviously the, the goal would be to uh, have the learning and development of an individual centered around what is going to benefit the organization and I, if I'm understanding you correctly your your focus is more on personal learning and development and growth yeah am I does my question make sense to you about the pushback it yeah 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 no it's um it's a really good question and maybe I can answer it in two parts so let me put a, a pin in the pushback part and kind of describe my vision is that there can be a very powerful intersection between how I want to grow, what I'm interested in, uh, the, the skills and the talent and the gifts that I want to bring to the workplace, and what the organization needs or where the industry is going or where business in general is going. And so what 
individual employees and leaders need to learn to do is engage in a conversation that finds that intersection and mindset. Because as I work with organizations, I've not found uh, an individual yet where upon teasing this out, there's not a way that their growth can support the organization. So it's gotta be win-win. You know, if it doesn't support the organization, why would the organization be investing, you know, in, in a development effort? But if it doesn't benefit the individual, you know, we've got way too much on our plates these days to invest our time and energy and, and brain power in something that we don't really feel is where we want to be going. So the key is helping leaders and employees alike develop the skills around conversation where we can find where that overlap exists. And when we do that, then there's no pushback because it's a win-win. Everyone's getting their needs met. Where we're trying to force one or the other, you know, the employee's agenda and they want to do something that's totally out of line with what's going to support organizational results or organizational agenda that's not congruent with the individual, that's where we get the pushback. But when we can find the balance and the skills that create that balance, you've got the best of both worlds. I love win-wins. Yes, me too. <laughs> and I'm really curious about what inspired you to co-write the book, Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. Well, and thank you for asking because you know, we wrote the book back in um, 2011 and 12. It came out originally in 2012. And what was so obvious was there's a, a really compelling business case for career development. When you look at the data that's out there, it's one of the top drivers of employee engagement. It unlocks discretionary effort. It directly impacts attrition and uh, retention. It makes it easier to attract um, employees. There's even a bottom line impact. There's greater productivity from employees who feel like their careers are being attended to. So there's this huge business case. But there's also a human case. 91% of us say that career development is one of our top priorities in the workplace. So we've got this human case, we've got this business case, and yet it's not happening. You know, consistently when I go into organizations, I'm sure you find the same thing. You look at their employee engagement surveys, their climate surveys, career development is always at the end. And so we really had to look at if it's so good for the individual, if it's so good for the business, then how is it we're not making this happen in an organization? It just seemed like such a no-brainer. And so we did some research, got to the bottom of what was getting in the way of this for, uh, for managers and employees alike, and wanted to offer some advice that was actionable, that could fit into the cadence of today's busy you know, managers and leaders. And so... That's what we did back in 2012, and then we updated it with a second edition earlier this year that sort of, you know, acknowledged some of the nuances since then. But, you know, what hasn't changed since 2012 is we're still struggling to get this right. True. And, and Julie, share with our listeners what you feel are the characteristics of a, of a good manager, a good leader. Let's say effective, even. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think sometimes when we think about good managers and leaders, we get into the tactics and the skills and the, the behaviors that they demonstrate day in and day out. And that makes sense. I mean, that's, you know, what's visible. But 
when you unpack that, you know, and you get down to the core of someone and what's driving those behaviors, it strikes me that there's really a handful of characteristics. First, humility. Some of the best leaders and managers that I've ever worked for are quite humble. I mean, they come to their work, they come to their relationships, they come to their interactions with a sense of not knowing it all and being really um, open to and interested in the opinions and the gifts and the talents and what others have to offer. And so that lays such a, a solid foundation for the contributions of others, for collaboration and, and for moving an organization um, forward really dynamically. Um, I think there's also a quality of vulnerability. And, you know, there's tons of work being done out there on that topic. In the past, I think we thought of vulnerability as being a bit of a weakness, um, when really it's probably uh, a way we can be strongest um, out there in the world. And when we lead with that kind of vulnerability, it creates uh, the space for others to be vulnerable, for others to try things get it wrong, fail, make a mistake, pick themselves up, try again, you know, all the kind of stuff that we need in today's disruptive, you know, innovative environment. Um, and then finally, I think there's a spirit of generosity that operates in the best leaders that I've, I've seen. There's really a sense of um, abundance, uh, being able to see the best in others, being able to recognize, appreciate, celebrate um, what others do well and the contributions that they make. And of course, when we when we start behaving like that, it inspires similar behavior. So we create a virtual cycle of of positivity and, and optimism, which is kind of another quality that I think particularly right now we need in the workplace and the world. So if I summarize, so humility, so leave the ego, park the ego, uh, <laughs> vulnerability, and generosity. Mm -hmm. Those were the three main characteristics. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I read something about your book regarding foresight, hindsight, and insight, but how can these conversations help employees engage with the organization? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. That hindsight, foresight, insight model is really the centerpiece of our book, Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. And it's three different kinds of conversations or different kinds of questions that you can ask to create a conversation. And so just kind of backing up for a sec, hindsight are the questions that help people look inward and backward where they've been, what they've done, what they love, what they, their interests are, their superpowers, their values, maybe what they don't want to do, you know, all that kind of internal stuff that we typically think of as being the basis for career development conversations. But then foresight, and this kind of gets Mary Jane into what we were talking about earlier. Foresight is the conversation about looking outward at what are the needs of the organization. You know, where are we going? What are our goals? What's going on in the industry? And then even broader than that, in the bigger world, demographically, socioeconomically, politically, um, environmentally, what are all the big picture things that many folks haven't thought were really part of career development, but they create the guardrail 
you know, the, the, the sandbox within which development is possible. And then where you combine the two, where you overlap who I am, what I love, what I want to do with what are the needs here, that sweet spot that is uh, the overlap is insight. And that's what you can mine for possibilities and actions and learnings to move forward. So we created this model intending it to be super flexible so it can operate like at a, a macro level. It can guide those annual big conversations we have with folks about career development. And it creates a conversational arc and momentum to move that forward out into the workplace. But it also operates at a more, um, you know, micro level. And that would be, you know, you can ask one question from hindsight, one from foresight, one from insight, and you've got a short but cohesive conversation. Or you can ask one of these questions with a spirit of curiosity. And in 60 or 90 seconds, you can cover a lot of ground and you're doing career development. And so that's where, and finally going to answer your question, so sorry, that was a long way around the barn, but that's where engagement happens because what, what's occurring in so many organizations is career development has become this checkbox process. Let's do it every year, let's cross it off the list, and then we'll come back next year this time pull it out, dust it off, and start all over again. That's the antithesis of engagement. Employees see through that. They know their managers are doing the HR process, getting something off their list. When, however, leaders can find ways to slip these questions and this conversation into the day-to-day -day interactions that they're already having with people, when they elevate the quality of the conversation when they're walking down the hallway to get a cup of coffee from just how was your weekend to what are you loving about your work? What's really getting you up in the morning and excited about coming here? Or what did you learn yesterday as a result of that client meeting? Well, we can elevate the quality of the conversation. That's what engagement, uh, or that's what will trigger engagement on the part of the employees. And, and you're right, it doesn't take much time. You can do this in, in a couple of minutes and you'll have a wealth of information about the other person. Yeah, yeah. You're so right. And when we do it like this and we're layering this, you know, understanding both for the individual and the manager, the depth of the relationship is a side benefit that many leaders don't think about. You're building a strong relationship that's going to lead to greater discretionary effort, loyalty, retention, all the rest of it. So there are tremendous side benefits for making that small investment of time. Then Julie, carrying on from, from this about the kinds of questions, what's a career development question that managers must ask their employees? What's one that you would uh, really recommend? You know, the one, if, if I could only ask one question, it would be the question, what do you want to do? And it's so simple, but so powerful. And it's very different from what most managers are asking. You know, the standard career development question that managers pull out of their hip pocket and ask typically when they get into this conversation is, where do you see yourself in three to five years, right? It's like the corporate equivalent of, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
there's such a focus on what we want to be. And, you know, throughout childhood, we talk about it, we get to the workplace, and then we're surprised when employees want to be the vice president of this and the director of that. And, you know, and when we get into being conversations, it's very limiting because there are only so many of those positions available. You've got to have the right skills at the right time or you to converge and all the stars have to be aligned, you know, sometimes to, to be that thing. And, and you guys have probably read this as well. There was some research done by the Institute for the Future of Work. 85% of the jobs that we're going to be doing in the year 2030 have not yet been invented. So I can want to be something and be working toward that, and it's not going to even be there, you know, so uh, when the time comes. So, so if managers could shift their conversation and the focus of these conversations from what people want to be to what do you want to do? What kind of problems do you want to solve? What kind of technologies do you want to work with? What kind of clients do you want to work with? Um, what, what does career success look like? What do you want to do? Suddenly that opens up possibilities because I might not be able to put you in the position you want to be in, but man, I could find a way as a leader to invite some of what you want to do into the envelope of your current role. And that goes back to what we were talking about before too. Another way to enhance engagement is to do that kind of job crafting that allows people to do the things that, you know, really let their souls express themselves. And also I want to add on is, uh, but you answered that partially, is what can a manager do to fulfill that dream, fulfill that path, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's a, a really important question. And, and, and kind of going back to the pushback question you had earlier, the pushback that we get is when managers think they have to do it. So that's another shift that needs to happen in terms of our mindsets is career development is a partnership mm -hmm. between a manager and an employee. And so frequently managers avoid the whole thing because they feel like it's their job to put the employee on their back and carry them through their careers. And that's way too much to expect given everything else that's on a manager's plate. So the question really is, what can the manager and the employee together do to make that happen? And so what that looks like is a, a collaboration, a partnership to really explore what would be possible to invite into the envelope of my current job. What experiences, challenges, stress, a stress assignment. Oh, that was Freudian, wasn't it? Stretch. <laughs> assignments <laughs> that might provide just the right amount of stress. Um, what kinds of networking could I engage in? Who could I meet? What kind of feedback could I be gathering that would help me grow? So that it's not about the manager doing the work, but about the manager supporting the employee and collaborating toward developing a, a, a self-driven plan that the, then the employee can own and drive forward with the support, the guidance, the, the enablement that a manager can provide. And the only prerequisite is that the manager has to know what it is the employee wants to do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that happens through conversation. And Julie, in your experience, what do you feel are the top three drivers for employees to stay or leave in a company? 
I think you mentioned well, we already know the learning and the growth. Yeah. Yeah, career development, learning, growth, development. As uh, as we look across industries, that's one of the not, number one drivers, both for joining and for leaving an organization. Um, the other one is the manager. You know, we've heard the expression frequently, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. And that relationship is really pivotal. Uh, and then finally, the culture. I think employees are increasingly understanding what culture is, how it plays, and how it either supports or, or undermines them and their success, their health, their wellness. And I think employees are getting much more savvy about selecting a culture that's going to serve them. I love it. Thank you. And what is your vision for creating a sustainable, thriving workplace? You know, at the end of the day, I think it's about leaders being in that leadership role for the right reason. Being there really because they've got a deep and abiding desire, passion, um, need to help others, to support others, to grow others, to, to move things forward with and through people. You know, um, a lot of leaders find themselves in those roles for other reasons, other motivations. And that, to me, is not sustainable. You know, given the pressures that we um, confront in today's competitive and very disruptive workplace, given the uh, human dynamics that are in play in the world right now and the, the pressures and the stressors that employees are under, if we don't have leaders who are there for the right reasons and are able to support people personally and organizationally, um, that makes for a really hard set of circumstances that aren't sustainable organizationally or individually. Yeah. It's, it's re, re, taking another look at the leadership qualities that are needed, some of which you mentioned earlier and, and mm -hmm. ensuring it's not just the best performer who gets promoted, but that these other qualities uh, are, are inherent in their makeup, in their yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you know, the other piece of that, and this could be a whole different podcast, is the whole compensation piece. You know, how many leaders find themselves in that role because it was the next rung on the ladder and the next, you know, bump in terms of salary? And, you know, as long as we continue to perpetuate that kind of a structure, um, we may be attracting people into those roles for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. And Julie, do you have, is there a question you'd like to ask us? Have you, did you well, think yeah. of anything? <laughs> yeah. When can we do this again? What is a delightful <laughs> conversation. <laughs> we can do this every time. We love that. That's how we started out. We love talking about these important topics. So if you have a need to, to just do a, a short bit in a different lighting, we can set up something else and, and, and do yeah. a, a whole conversation or a yeah, video. Cast. Absolutely. So, just let us know. Great. Great. Well, yeah, I, I tell you, I'm so impressed with your work. And it's um, just a pleasure to get to talk about these important topics with you guys. 
Thank you, thank you. We, we, we do appreciate you and thank you for the, all the valuable tips that you shared beyond your book for helping employees to grow and thrive in the workplace. So thank you, Julia. Yeah, and to My the listeners, pleasure. you're welcome, Julie, too. Yeah, and to the listeners, if you have any questions and comments about this episode, share them with us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening and until the next time. Bye. Bye. Go to Thrive Podcasts, empower people to be happy before, during, and after work.